Today's reading is from Psalm 40 and Hebrews 12. Psalm 40, verses 9 to 10, from the Message Translation. I've preached to you the whole congregation. I've kept nothing back, God. You know that. I didn't keep the news of your ways a secret. Didn't keep it to myself. I told it all. How dependable you are, how thorough. I didn't hold back pieces of love and truth for myself alone. I told it all. Let the congregation know the whole story. From Hebrews 12, 1 through 3. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set out before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning, Christ City. Always fun to um, be with you. Uh, I don't know, you've probably seen a kid like this in a public library. Picture this scene. A geeky child, usually wearing glasses, is checking out a pile of books. I was, and I am, that nerdy child. Um, now, I don't know about you, but some of the libraries that I inhabited, there was a limit to how many books you could check out each week, and you could only check out six books. Man, hard to choose. But I didn't check out any book. I, I checked out a certain kind of book. They had to be biographies of certain people. Abraham Lincoln, the president, and uh, Frederick Douglass, the abolitionist, and even a few female people. Oh, uh, Marie Curie, the French scientist, you know? And so each week I checked out six biographies. Each week I was inspired by six more people, people who I wanted to be like, people who, who, whose lives I thought, if they could do that, I could do that. Um, I, I wasn't a Christian then, so I got a really late start on biographies of courageous Jesus followers throughout the generations, but even despite that, there was something about having models and historic uh, mentors that inspired me. And I think what really drew me were the stories were real. They happened to flesh and blood people. It wasn't just fantasy. It's like, this really happened. It was powerful. And maybe I could do that too. Anyone else here a biography nerd? Yeah, amen, yes. So we are in, this does all relate, uh, we're in uh, week two of a six-week series um, on testimonies, and it's called The Whole Story, and as uh, Lisa said, there's a booklet that you can use individually and in small groups, and I really encourage you, because um, you'll get more from the series if you look at that. So, so let's talk about this word testimony in the legal sense, and I am not all you lawyers. I'm not a lawyer, okay, so have mercy on me. I'm trying to explain it for those of us who aren't lawyers. Um, a testimony in a legal sense um, means, would you share what you've experienced? You get on, yeah, it was your witness. You get on the witness stand, you raise your whole hand, your right hand, and you say, do you swear to hold the truth, the whole truth, and no, but the truth shall help you God. And then the witness proceeds to say, well, here's what I've seen, here's what I've heard, and, and again, that testimony becomes evidence. Now, a testimony in a Christian sense uh, points to God. 
points to Jesus. This is what I've experienced with Jesus. This is what I've heard about Jesus. This is what I've seen. That's the truth is I've experienced it. It's evidence. And again, it's not God in the abstract. It's not a testimony. Is not the sort of, you know, sermon where you know. Let's talk about the attributes of God and His omniscience. That's not a testimony. You know, a testimony is this is how Jesus interacted with my life personally, and extremely important. Has anyone ever seen this quote from Saint Francis? Preach the gospel at all times. Use words as necessary. Isn't that beautiful? Oh my gosh, just the beautiful life of just. My very actions show the presence of Jesus. There's two problems with this quote. The first problem, next slide, is um, they don't think St. Francis ever said that, <laughs> right? They, they do have some, something where um, he did say something out, would you please make sure that your deeds match your words? You know, don't be a hypocrite, you know, but don't be talking about love if you're all hateful, right? So, so they do have something about St. Francis saying something about that. Um, but they don't have anything that he said anything like that. And then, yeah, the second problem is, is, is um, it's baloney. What a terrible quote. Preach the gospel at all times. Use words as necessary. We need words. I don't know if you've noticed, but the gospel is not self-revealing. You don't say, you know, someone gives you something nice and you're like, oh my goodness, that means me about Jesus and, and the cross and the resurrection. There's nothing, you know what I mean? We need words. The Bible is a written book. Jesus spoke. He taught. He didn't just do. Words are necessary. Words are crucial. And that's why uh, we are doing a series on testimonies. How do we put these words, these experiences together uh, to be helpful? So um, my specific topic this week I was given was um, uh, testimonies about community or testimonies on community. And there's two ways to look at this. I got a little confused, like testimonies of community. What does that mean? Does that mean testimonies about community? Yeah. But could it also mean the role of testimonies in community? Yeah, I think so. So we're going to look at both sides, same, two sides, same coin. Um, so, so let's talk about the role of testimonies in community. There's this anchor psalm we have. It's Psalm 40. Uh, it's our anchor text. And you can see where um, testimony is just part and parcel of how this psalmist is uh, singing to God. He says, I preach you to the whole congregation. Uh, I've kept nothing back, God. You know that I didn't keep news of your ways a secret. I didn't keep it to myself. I told it all how dependable you are, how thorough. I didn't hold back pieces of love and truth uh, for myself alone. I told it all. I let the congregation tell the whole story. A testimony is meant to be shared, is what the psalmist is saying, with the whole congregation. It's not supposed to be just hidden or just shared with a few of your closest intimates, but it's supposed to be shared. Uh, the psalmist does this two different ways, uh, two more ways in this little short psalm. Uh, in verse 3, he says, he taught me, that's God, he taught me how to sing the latest God song, a, a praise song to my God. More and more people are seeing this. They enter the mystery, abandoning themselves to God. See, as the psalmist sings the latest God song, the psalmist is giving testimony that God indeed had lifted him out of the miry clay and set his feet on solid ground. And so he sings that, and the result of his testimony is more and more people are seeing this. More and more people are giving themselves to God. More and more, as the message says, they enter the mystery, abandoning themselves to God. Powerful. And then towards the end of the psalm, one more part of uh, Psalm 40, uh, the psalmist almost ends the psalm with this, but everyone who's hunting for you, everyone who's searching for you, God, 
Oh, let them sing and be happy. Let those who know what you're all about tell the world you're great and you're not quitting. And again, a third instance in this one psalm of the psalmist saying, this is good news. This is good news. Okay, here's an aside. Why is it that we always talk about our favorite Netflix show with such vigor and delight? And then when it comes to Jesus, it's like, hmm, don't want to offend, you know? And again, there's reasons for that, and we might get to that in this sermon. But isn't that funny how so excited and so exuberant we are about things that even though they're wonderful, like, there are some things that are maybe more important to actually open your mouth about, you know? So anyway, um, okay. So again, I just want to say in Psalm 40, this psalmist just has testimony, testimony, testimony throughout the psalm. So um, testimonies. I don't think that I'm alone, but my favorite, some of my favorite services are the ones where we have testimonies. Is that true for you? Yeah, Amy, yes, yes, thank you. Yes, yes, yes. And here's the problem. As someone who's had to like ask people to give testimonies for decades, it's really hard to get people to give testimonies. And here's how it goes. Like, would you like to, and because I'm trained as a pastor, I get to, you know, a lot of one, I'm not a pastor here, um, so don't blame, don't blame these guys, you know. So anyway, um, so, um, but I get to hear all these great stories all the time. And so I'm like, hey, would you give a testimony on that? And they're like, no. But it always goes like this, no, but I sure hope you get someone to give a testimony because I really like them. And, and you just want to say, come on, if everybody wants to hear a testimony and nobody wants to give a testimony, we have a supply and demand problem, okay? <laughs> High demand, low supply means we're not really encouraging one another very well. And, and that's going to lead us to our second scripture, which is from the book of Hebrews. Is that? Yeah, there we go. Okay. So um, the author of Hebrews, a little mysterious, who wrote Hebrews, writes to a community about many topics, including community. And here's this quote. Let me just read it again. Therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, here we are, uh, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Let us run with perseverance the race that is marked out for us, fixing our eyes upon Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, sat down at the right hand of the throne of God, and consider him who endured such opposition from sinners, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Testimonies are a way that we do not grow weary and lose heart. They're so important to a community. All right, the beginning of that passage. There we go, yeah, stay there. Um, this whole image of this great cloud of witnesses, it's a, it's a large group of people who are cheering us on. Just picture this, this race metaphor. We're in a race and you've got this cloud like, come on, keep going, come on. And, and you wonder like, who are these people? Who are this great crowd of witnesses? And, and you know, what's the therefore therefore? If you look back in chapter 11, there's a list of uh, names that the author of Hebrews writes. Uh, it, it's nicknamed the Heroes Hall of Fame, right? So there's all these people that, that have been these faithful people. Several of them are named, and some of them are just kind of grouped together, like, oh, these prophets. Um, uh, and and uh, these other unnamed people who have been flogged, mocked, imprisoned, stoned to death, persecuted, 
And the author of Hebrews sums it up and says, they are whom the world was not worthy. That in how they lived their life and how they spoke, usually how they spoke, usually their testimony is what got them killed, right? Um, so that's the great cloud of witnesses that surrounds us. Each of them full of testimonies about God. And so it's so encouraging that we're surrounded by this great cloud of witnesses. Um, we, we also, uh, just one last, this is from the scripture, but not scripture. We recounted today the Apostles' Creed, and that's a, that's a, that's a script, scriptures from uh, basically a community a long time ago in the early church said, how can we summarize the Christian faith in a short way? So they took these different scriptures and came up with 12 statements. That's one reason why they think it might be called the Apostles' Creed, like 12 apostles, like... Um, and, and so you can memorize it. It's short enough that you can memorize this creed and this, this little bit on God the Father, a little bunch of bit on Jesus the Son, and then this last paragraph's a little chock-a-block, but not really. It says, we believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic, we already explained that, Catholic means universal, not Roman Catholic, the Holy Catholic Church, and this interesting phrase, the communion of saints. And you're like, oh, what are saints? What are you gonna say? Here's what I'm gonna say. Saints is the most common way that Christians were referred to in the New Testament. So a saint is basically a Jesus follower. So Paul writes to the church in Romans, he says, hey, this letter is addressed to all who are beloved uh, in Rome, called as saints. He writes, Paul writes a letter to the church in Corinth and says, hey, to the church of God in Corinth uh, with all the saints. So a saint is any person living or dead who's a follower of Jesus, that's all. Uh, you don't have to have magical superpowers. You don't have to get voided into, uh, voted onto the island. Um, it's just a Jesus follower. And why this phrase communion of saints is so important, and it matches this great cloud of witnesses, is it connects the church throughout the generations. That it connects the, the, the faithful ones in the past to, to us in the, in, in the present to the future. You know partly why Kid City is so important? Because we've been taught by the saints that went before us, the faith, and now it's up to us to teach those who come after the faith. And it continues. That's part of the communion of saints. There's also a breadth of the saints, the communion of saints globally, uh, across history, but also around the world. We are not alone. We are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. And there is power in that. Um, several years ago, again, I'm a, I'm a West Coaster and I found myself down in, in Los Angeles and um, I was really tired. My, my mom was uh, slowly and difficultly dying of dementia. One of my teenagers had gone off the rails and all the stress of ministry. And I, and I, I found myself at the Roman Catholic Cathedral in Los Angeles. I don't know if you've been there. It's a picture of the inside. Keep going. Here we go. The, ca the cathedral in, uh, in LA, it's a modern building. And when you enter it, there are these beautiful murals, 135 saints. You're surrounded. Either side, you look. And you just see these, these just saints. Going, going up towards the front of the church. And um, it's saints across history, across race, across nations, and you're completely surrounded by them. And I just grabbed a pew and sat and I looked 
And I looked and I'm like, I'm not alone. There's a great cloud of witnesses that surround me. People that have come before me that have been true followers of Jesus that encourage me to press on. That was their testimonies. That was their testimonies. And it filled me, it nourished me, it helped me go on. Such great testimonies. So we've talked about how testimonies encourage Christian community. That's one side. But I want to hear some, Christ, some testimonies about Christian community. And so um, I have Exhibit A here. Oh, yeah. Exhibit A. Let's see. Hey, Phil, can you help me for a sec? It's cool. It's a beautiful box, isn't it? It's handmade by a bookbinder in our church back home. Phil and I left our church uh, back on the West Coast in 2013. It was a church that we had founded with uh, 12 other people. There's 14 of us total. And it was a church that I pastored for 16 years. And then um, we got sent out. And here we are. Uh, and so what do they give a pastor? What do you give a pastor who's leaving? Another Bible? <laughs> a cross? Some flowers? I don't know. You know what they gave? They gave me a book of testimonies. The kids, the teens, they wrote their testimonies of God. They called them God stories. Photos and poems and raps. Lots and lots of stories. Took a while to read them. And it was stories about their assignment was to write a testimony of how God had worked through that community. And I'm going to tell you three of them. I'm going to read three of them. And as I read them, I want you to notice the, the, the uh, differences between the testimonies. Sometimes we think testimonies have to have this, you know, wicked, wicked beginning and a happy middle and a forever enchanted end. Um, but listen to these three testimonies. They're also, they're also different. Um, first testimony, a guy named Hans. He, uh, he was raised in a Christian family. And I think a lot of Christians um, start their testimonies this way, which is, my God story never really had a beginning, right? Because if you've been raised in a church, you're like, oh, I don't have those amazing, you know, testimony stories of deliverance. But, but Hans, um, after school, and his, when he was 21, he joined the church at the very beginning, and he bought a house in Berkeley, which is really impossible now, but back then you could actually do that. And um, here's, here's a God story he tells. One story from this time took place a few years ago. While sitting on my couch one night, I heard a noise. I looked outside to see someone breaking into my car. Not so uncommon in the flats of Berkeley. But instantly, I sensed God's prompting to engage the man. I knew it was probably unsafe, but I didn't feel unsafe. So I ran outside in my pajamas and chased after him. I stopped him around the corner Reason and fear abated, and I yelled, hey, why did you break into my car? To my shock, he turned and came toward me, and he answered, I don't know, I'm sorry. Well, I'm at the end of my rope. I knew in that moment why God prompted me. So then, there on the street, we prayed together. Hans's testimony, just hearing the prompt of the Holy Spirit. Just one story of many. Next door is Tim. 
Tim was the first person who um, became a Christian in our congregation. And his story is a testimony about community. When I first began attending the church, I wasn't just broken, I was shattered because I was in the throes of alcohol addiction. I continued to splinter even after I had verbally accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. Therefore, I was not much for community. In fact, I shut people out quicker than a department store at closing time. My addiction made me a fugitive among friends, keeping those who cared about me at bay, while not giving anyone who wanted to build fellowship any chance of getting close to me. I was ornery when people tried to press in. I could be dismissive, rude, and contrary just for the sake of being contrary. In short, I was not a good brother. The real cold part about it was I was totally aware of what I was doing. It had to do, oh, I had to do it, otherwise the shame of my addiction would be known by everyone. And even though I had convinced myself that their opinion of me didn't really matter, in my heart of hearts, I knew it did. But I stayed emotionally on the run, seemingly obliterating any chance of ever having meaningful friendships with anyone at church. But Christ pressed in. And when the time came that my addiction led me headlong into a brick wall, not literally, although it was just as painful, I was now ready to accept Christ into my heart as well as my head. And I, preferred, I prepared myself to endure the alienation from the church that my previous behavior had warranted. See, I come from the mean streets of Potrero Hill in San Francisco. And like a lot of urban environments, community can be volatile. There's a fragile closeness and camaraderie that is always haunted by the threat of betrayal as folks are competing for limited resources. And it was very easy to ask yourself out of that community. And believe me, my substance abuse-fueled attitude that would not have kept me in good standing. And so with that as my understanding of community, I was not hopeful that the church would welcome me with open arms. But God's community was and is a Christ-like community. There was no shame, rebuke, or even questioning the sincerity of my transformation. There was only acceptance and love. Yeah, I know I'm laying it on pretty thick, but it's hard not to get maudlin about a blessing that has so changed my life forever. And then he goes on. That's Tim's testimony. Third and final testimony is a, a woman named Lisa who... Um, is actually a testimony about testimonies. Let me explain Lisa a little bit. She had fell in with some Christians in her early 20s and then kind of left them, and so now she's coming back to church in her 40s. Um, and she's watching. So she's been kind of a part of the church for over a year. And so this is a little bit of context. Um, the other thing happening is uh, there's a woman, one of the founders is also dying of brain cancer at the same time. So 45 years old, has two little kids, and she is dying, and actually two weeks before this, we got this book, um, she did die. So that's also happening in our church. And it's Good Friday, and our Good Friday services were the time where we did particularly messy testimonies, you know, because that, if you can't tell on Good Friday, when can you, when can you give a really messy testimony? So, so the, the testimonies were really, really messy. And I think because of the messiness, they were really well attended. Everyone's like, ooh, I want to hear the testimonies. How juicy are they going to be, right? So, um, uh, so this is Lisa's perspective as an outsider coming in and how she hears the testimonies of Good Friday. My sleeves are wet. 
That's what happens when you go to Good Friday service without bringing Kleenex. I guess I should have known better since it's similar to what happened last year at the service. So moving, so touching, so real, so, so real. This isn't the type of service where you show up to church so you can say, check, I've done the church thing. No, this is the type of service where you feel naked, yet blanketed by some spirit of hope and love, all the while sitting in a fold-up chair. And then she talks about some sorrow in her life I won't get into. And then she says, was that real? Was it like the richness, the realness of the testimonies from the Good Friday service? And now she starts to explain the uh, testimonies of that service. I heard the realness of the jitter in her voice as she spoke about her broken family. I heard the realness of the way that he spanked his eight-year-old son when his son had told him to go burn in hell. I heard the realness of, of the pain in her voice when she said that her mom said their parents never fought until she was born. The unique thing about being an outsider to church is that you can observe their passion and their joy, but you never really know what it's like to experience it. It looks pretty weird. And it makes you feel a little uncomfortable at first when they stand up or they raise their hands to God, but after a while it becomes nice, like really nice. They have something special in their life that's indescribably good. So in the midst of these stories of suffering that were shared, there was also this thread of hope and a lightness in this candle-lit room, a thread that was both thick and thin, thick that it was something that we all wanted to hold onto, and yet thin because it was so hard to grab hold of sometimes. But in unity, we just kept moving on, and we chanted the sweet words of Messiah, 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 save us. You are our only hope. You are our only hope. You are our only hope. Again, she describes another testimony. She was brave in her voice, and she spoke with perfection, as she always does and aspires to do. Her eating disorder, a symptom of the real brokenness that lies buried under layers and layers of tissue. She can do all the things to treat the symptoms, but it's the deep stuff that's so hard to get at. She just can't reach it. But she has hope, and she has Jesus, the author, and perfecter of our faith. And as she stood there so boldly, I cried so hurtingly for her and all the other people suffering in this room. I cried tears of disbelief. It's confusing, it's extremely confusing. I get it, I get it. But I don't get it at all because it's a mystery. So at the end of service, I walked solemnly back with my head down back to my car, contemplating, contemplating the pain in the room and the brokenness in my own life. And I shyly said to a friend of a friend who has brain cancer and has been given weeks to live, I've been praying for you. And through the dimness of the evening light, she sighs and turns to me with ashen face and grayed hair and high beams of blue-eyed smile. You know, she says, it's amazing. Through this whole thing, the one thing I feel most is love. So many friends and families and co-workers have loved and supported me. I lost her at love. 
Here's a woman who's one day active and healthy with a loving family and two young kids, and the next day she has aggressive brain cancer and has only weeks to live, and the way that she chooses to describe this is with the word love. So I drove home in silence, and I cried all the way home. Lisa's testimony. You know that book, I think it was really hard for them to write all those testimonies. I think, I think um, the folks in charge of that book like totally twisted some arms. But you know what? It was really good that they wrote those testimonies. It was good for them because they had to remember. And it sure has been good for Phil and me because we can just pick up that book and read some testimonies of that, that cloud of witnesses surrounding us, that communion of saints, and say, oh yeah, that's true. That's true. That keeps me going on, because those are true stories. Christ City Church, we can do this. We can do this. We need to do this. People in that book, they're just ordinary Jesus followers. They just took the effort to write down the things that have happened. The things that um, they'd experienced years earlier, all the way on the West Coast. We too, each one of us, have testimonies of where God's shown up in big ways or little ways. Uh, really happy, deliriously great stories and super sad stories where the presence of God is still there. It's all testimony, and it's so good. We're part of this great cloud of witnesses. We are not alone. For those of us, and I know it's hard, man, being in D.C., the city, I'm a, I'm a new one too. It's hard to be new here, guys. It is so lonely, and I bet some of you in this room are so stinking lonely now. And I want you to know I'm glad you're here. And it's in that, that weird thing of, will you be my friend? You know, all that kind of stuff. And you don't have any friends. In that middle time, while you're still working that, there is a great cloud of witnesses that are surrounding you, that are cheering you on. Some of you are like, I don't know why you think I'm a Christian. Maybe I'm not a, I don't know about church. I mean, I know we have this church angst. Church is bad. Yeah, yeah, whatever. You know, you need church. I'm sorry. And I know that there's hurt, and the church is the way that healing happens. You've been hurt by church. Church will probably be the place where you get healing too. Okay? Painful though. All right. Um, we need these testimonies about community. And so, can we write a book like that? But we'll put Sarah, we'll put you on. I mean, uh, Amy, we'll put you on it. No, that's just right. Yeah. I hope so. I hope so. Um, we're going to continue with. Um, uh, some more acts of worship, and here's some ways to respond. Uh, first, we're gonna have people praying for you on either side of the room. Get some prayer. If you need, don't do this alone. If anything in this thing about community has hit you, it means that you don't have to do this alone. So you got something going on, get some prayer, okay? The other thing we're gonna do is we're gonna have communion together. Oh, how Christian, yeah. And again, that knits us together as community, not just this little room, but with the historic church and the global church. Really powerful thing to do, too. Um, if you want to take communion, just come up, and just uh, they'll give you gluten-free wafer and uh, juice, and then just continue to, to get some prayer on the sides or, or continue in worship. But with that, let me pray, and then we'll continue worship.
God, we are grateful that we are never, ever, ever alone. We thank you for the gift of the Holy Spirit that lives in us. And today we also thank you for that great cloud of witnesses that surround us. Lord, we pray that you would bring to mind various testimonies that would continue us, continue to help us not to grow weary and lose heart. For those of us who feel alone or indeed weary, would you come and restore us through to yourself, through one another. Amen.